it's acceptable to me as a cyclist because if you're going to ride aggressively and, and do things on a bicycle, you somewhat have to be prepared for the fact that you know you may crash, and sometimes you may crash at high speed, and you might get you might get hurt in some cases severely. As long as it was, it was me that was actually crashing, it never really bothered me that much. You know, I kind of just accepted it. But um, August 21st of last year, uh, my wife was involved in a in a rather severe and, and really probably the most horrendous bicycle crash I ever saw. Hi, this is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. I'm your host, John McGowan, and as always, I'm very appreciative of your listening. Joining me today is a master trainer from Team ICG, the Indoor Cycling Group of North America, Jim Karanis. Jim, welcome. How are you today? John, I really have to speak with you, as always. I'm oh, good. well, I, I enjoy having you on. There's just so many things happening, and... Actually, what prompted this, and we're going to get to this just a little while longer, but uh, a conversation that you and I had around bicycle safety and the need for it, uh, some events that's happened in your life that uh, you felt that would be valuable communicating. So, but before we get to that, a uh, couple of things. First of all, you have an announcement uh, regarding someone who is familiar to the Indoor Cycle Instructor podcast listeners and visitors at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Tell us what you're doing with Chuck Kelly. I, I met Chuck through ICI Pro, uh, through your website. And he was just a, uh, a real frequent, um, you know, he, he would frequently post on, uh, you know, replies and comments to my articles and was always giving very good uh, comments and, and, you know, engaged uh, conversation. And, uh, you know, I, I just got to know his name through just through his posts. And, uh, you know, we began some discussion, you know, off the website, just finding out a bit more about him. And I realized he, he lives in the Bay Area, um, you know, he lives in the San Jose area. So it made it very easy for, uh, um, you know, for us to get together and start talking because uh, he seemed to believe very strongly in some of the things that ICG, that Team ICG is doing in North America, um, you know, the our, uh, our push behind the uh, you know, free continuing education online, um, our use of video, the advent of our uh, of our uh, virtual cycling products, my right plus, things like that. He was just always really talking about, wow, this is great stuff. He was writing about the use of video and how it can enhance the cycling experience. And he also was very uh, interested in a lot of the philosophical points that I was bringing up. So we met. And, you know, as we talked more, we came and took my class at, um, at ICG Academy in San Francisco, and we began to talk a lot more. And you know, I sort of realized this guy really needs to be part of Team ICG. He's just, you know, he's bright. He's, he's, you know, he he's, he looks great on the bike. He rides the bike beautifully. You know, he's, you know, he just uh, knows so much about heart rate based training from his work with Sally Edwards. And you know, I, I as we as we started talking more and more, and we taught a few classes together, I, I just said, look, man, I'd really love to have you on our master training team. Uh, also, not only, not only that, as soon as I even, I mean, I, even before I mentioned to mentioned that to him, he had gone to our website. And he basically had read all our online modules. So he went through our online certification. 
okay, all whatever it is, normally eight hours if I do the training live. And then he, he read and he passed all the exams for 14 continuing online modules. This is all before I even posed to him that, hey, you know, maybe you want to join our master training team. So, you know, the guy's, the guy's pretty passionate about the, uh, you know, the practice of injury. Well, completely passionate is a good word to use for Chuck. <laughs> so, absolutely. Pretty worked up. And so we just hit it off in our meeting. You know, when he, we, he was talking to me about zoning and, and you know, and, uh, and some, some of his philosophy around heart rate training. And I just realized I would like to have this guy, you know, on our team. So he is now a master trainer with Team ICG. Master trainer with ICG. Uh, he's coming down to the IDEA convention. He'll be part of my training team at the, at the IDEA convention. I'm going to have him do a lot of uh, on-the-floor uh, demos using a MyRide Plus system on the traditional floor at IDEA. But uh, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's top notch. He's first rate when it comes to, uh, to indoor cycling. Well, that's awesome. I love seeing people that are active in what I'm doing elevated. You know, and that kind of leads me to the second thing that, that you're part of. And that is we just uh, completed uh, receiving our entries for the ultimate instructor class profile competition contest. Right. And uh, we're in the process of reviewing all those. And one of the what I saw was major prizes that the top five are all going to win are the opportunity for them to do as Chuck did, go online and receive a two hundred dollars certification from the indoor cycling group. Now, can you explain to everybody you know what that certification is? It, it's a basic indoor cycling certification. You know, why we, we feel so strongly about it is that we've invested a tremendous amount in its, its ease of, of, and its, its attractiveness of actually doing something that's online. In many cases, and actually in all cases, if a, if a person is new to indoor cycling, there's, there's no doubt that they must go through a live training to begin with to, um, you know, to, to learn the basic skills. Okay. But what we've done with the online certification is that we have, I think, developed the ultimate um, recertifying, um, uh, recertifying platform where through the use of video and through the use of uh, online games and practices, we can actually make enhancing your, your ability as an indoor cycling instructor fun and actually very effectively done online as opposed to just reading copy. There's a lot of interactive games and videos to watch that will give people a lot of great ideas as well as reinforcing and uh, their basic foundation in indoor cycling. So, um, you know, a lot of people in, in North America, the indoor cycling instructors already have some form of certification. We have a slightly different bend on it. There's a lot that is um, similar to what a lot of people have already learned. But I think that our, uh, our take on certain things, um, you know, the use of uh, our specific use of hand positions in different movements and go hand in hand with our, with our practice overall and the fact that we like to encourage people to, uh, to use indoor cycling practices from all cycling, not just road riding, but for mountain biking and commuting as well. Uh, that's all part of our practice. And I think it, it lends itself very easily to, or, to any uh, indoor cycling instructor to bring in and to change and augment and to improve their class. Because what I saw in this, Jim, and forgive me if, I, if I'm not explaining this correctly, is that, you know, and I talked to literally hundreds of instructors, you know, every month or so. And there are a lot of them that are frustrated with the costs that they have to incur right. to maintain their existing certification. Yes. And yet they still feel committed to maintain something. 
and that, you know, the studio where they work or teach, you know, has a requirement, you need an active certification, but typically not always it's specific. Right. And so, so what you're offering is a chance to, you know, to get a, I think you and I talked before, like a secondary certification to go along with what was an original primary from whoever they got it. But then to go forward, though, you offer the ability to maintain that certification with no additional costs. Correct. Yeah. All organ education is free and it's free for life. All you got to do is you have to just create an online account and then uh, you know, you can access all continuing education. Uh, we're always adding new modules. We invest a lot in adding new modules. You can go to our, our three new modules we added this year about how to teach with forward motion video. And you've gone through those modules. You know that they were, you know, there was great expense put into creating those modules. And they're beautiful to watch. <laughs> they'd, they'd make a class all by themselves if I could find a way to project them on our screens at my club. <laughs> but, you know, the, the idea is that we, we, we feel that, you know, um, the indoor cycling group is all about, um, you know, uh, lifting the level of, of the, uh, the, you know, the, the industry of indoor cycling. And that's all that we do. You know, all we do is, is indoor cycling. Uh, we don't have any other aspects to our company. Uh, we are just a very passionate group of cyclists all from around the world. We're a global company that believe in making, um, you know, providing assets that make it easy, they, the ease, make it easy and affordable for uh, people to enhance their skills in indoor cyclists, uh, indoor cycling instructors. So that's what our online education platform is all about. Just gives awesome. you a tremendous opportunity to to learn um, from our practice and our and our you know all our. Um, all our employees and all our education specialists bring that to your class. We don't feel like we should charge anything for that. That's all free. That's awesome. Now, if somebody's interested in, in starting or creating their free profile, where do they go online to do that? www.indoorcycling.com. The, the page opens up and you can see right away where you can, I mean, the opening page right now says it features one of our new education modules, learn to teach the forward motion video you can just say, just say, you know, follow the, you know, click on the button, and then it'll say, do you want to open, start a free account, start your free account, put your password, and you have access to all the modules. Awesome, awesome, yeah. And I'd be interested if, for listeners if they do that to to hear some feedback to, yeah. as, if if they find them of value as I did and obviously Chuck did. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank right. you. Thanks for doing that, and thanks for introducing me to Chuck. Chuck's, you know, Chuck's gonna, is going to work out really well for us, I think. Oh, no, it's awesome. And again, it, it brings me no shortage of pleasure to, to see others benefit from the things that I'm doing. So that's, that, yeah, just awesome. You know, we've had other, other contributors that have been snatched up by <laughs> other organizations, and I just think that's just really cool. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I just, I, yeah, it just, it just warms my heart. I feel like I'm like my kids. You know, I'm just I'm finding ways to to help them advance their careers. And it, again, it's just a really cool thing. Now, the, the, what I kind of teased everybody about at the beginning of this, though, was um, uh, bicycle safety. And I realize this is a show about indoor cycling, but there is a large number of us that do ride outdoors. And there were some thoughts that you had, well, actually an experience that you had um, that you felt you could relay in um, in a way that hopefully would um, help others to uh, be safer out on the road. So I'll let you take it from there. 
Okay, John, and you know we did we did have a little bit of a, a pre meeting about this, just let everybody realize because this is a rather difficult subject for me to talk about. It's, it, it really it's, it's not easy. I've been in a, I mean personally, I've been in a number of bike crashes, and I've you know I've broken bones, and I've you know been in surgery, and 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 you know I mean all that is 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 acceptable to me as a cyclist because if you're going to ride aggressively and, and do things on a bicycle, you somewhat have to be prepared for the fact that. You know, you may crash, and sometimes you may crash at high speed, and you might get you might get hurt in some cases severely. As long as it was me that was actually crashing, it never really bothered me that much. You know, I kind of just accepted it. But um, August twenty first of last year, uh, my wife was involved in a in a rather severe and, and really probably the most horrendous bicycle crash I ever saw. It was during a uh, you know we had we've been having a really great season. Uh, a number of great tours and uh, uh, some great bicycle trips that we do. And we, we love to, you know, um, do some adventure cycling together and uh, camp and pack on the road and things like that. It's one of, sort of my, my favorite thing to do. This is really nothing more than a low-key century that uh, we were doing, a local century that we were doing with uh, a lot of friends, people that I trained for the bicycle and things like that. So anyway, we were out and, uh, um, you know, we were, <clears throat> we were in the Peloton and um, I was in the front uh, working with a few other riders, and then um, probably about 15, 20 people in the peloton. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden I hear this, I just hear the, that, that really horrible uh, crash of metal that you hear when, this, when there's a huge bicycle crash, you know. And uh, I look behind me, and there was just bikes down everywhere. And, you know, we, we were going at a decent clip because it was a flat stretch. We had a bit of a tailwind. So the speed, I think, was probably 20 to 25 miles an hour. Um, but it was when I, when I got back, you know, that I saw that, uh, my wife, Angela, uh, was on the ground and, um, I, I can't really get into describing the scene very much because it was, um, one of the worst I've ever seen. Um, but she was unconscious. Um, she had sustained a severe head injury, you know, and her blood was on the road and, um, you know, she wasn't responding. So, of course, there was help that had started to arrive right away. There were a couple of doctors that, um, you know, pulled up. Uh, one from a car, one from the site, one from the uh, um, was the one that was on a bicycle, and uh, a number of people that could administer CPR. And uh, uh, she did have to receive some chest compressions. Um, and the uh, you know the ambulance took a while to show up, about twenty minutes or so. By the time the, the paramedics got there, um, fortunately she they um, they were uh, she was able to be revived, um, but um, it was you know one of those situations that you just never really expect to see. Um, you know we got we then get to the when we got to the ER, you know where, where she, which is where she was. I saw how how badly she was broken up. As things went on, just just to kind of like you know end this part of the story, so I can kind of talk more about bike safety. Is that she had a, uh, a severe concussion and what was known as a what's known as a subarachnoid hemorrhage, which means she had she had um, uh, bleeding from the brain, and uh, she was in ICU for four days. And during those four days, they had to take constant brain scans to see whether or not the bleeding had stopped, because when the bleed, when blood begins to pool, you know, in that area of the brain, uh, she's very, you're very very susceptible to a stroke, and if it puts too much pressure on the brain, 
they have to go in surgically and relieve it or you die. It's one of those two things. And very often people that have severe subarachnoid hemorrhages do not make it. Uh, they definitely die. So fortunately, after the initial impact and within 24 hours, it was deduced that there was no more bleeding in her brain. Um, but, you know, it was at that time, as I stayed in the hospital room with her for the next four days, I realized just how severe this injury was and just, you know, what it was going to take in terms of, you know, getting her, um, you know, to, uh, you know, to uh, feel comfortable again and to be okay. So it began a process, and I'll, I'll be happy to, to share right now that, uh, you know, she's, she's actually doing quite well. That's awesome. And so she's back on the bike, and there was a, a, a lot of, you know, discussion. I'm not letting her ride in a pack yet. The only, the, only, the only riding we're doing right now is just her and me. I actually won't let anybody else even ride with us unless I know that they're very, very, um, very, very uh, careful. Um, you know, she's, she's regained um, almost all her, almost all of her, uh, you know, uh, cognitive faculties. There's still a lot of treatment that goes on. There's a lot of stimulation of the brain, a lot of flashing of lights in the eyes, a lot of, uh, you know, brain tests that you actually do, brain exercises that you do on, uh, you know, online, things like that. But she's continuing to, uh, you know, to reestablish herself. She's actually doing quite well. And if you talk with you, you'd never even realize that she was in that kind of an accident, you know, that she, that she was, you know, that the accident was that severe. But it happened, you know, it happened just basically um, by, uh, by a rider that she actually knew very well. And the rider just was not holding this line. And what happened as a result of the as a result of the crash is that it's really hard. But what I've been able to deduce is that, you know, the rider either, you know, was a little bit too relaxed within the peloton, uh, and either just broke his line unconsciously because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't really that skilled in riding in a peloton. Or the fact that he was trying to avoid something in the road. We don't really know exactly how it happened. And things like this do happen in pelotons uh, and do happen in groups. But, you know, the the practice of riding safely in a group is, um, I think that, you know, if I, if, I, if I look at all the group rides that I've been on, you know, not the races. I mean, the races, you have a lot of people that are very skilled at riding in pelotons, and they've done a lot of it, so that their ability to ride handlebar to handlebar is, is quite enhanced, and people know how to ride and you know it's safely in that kind of situation. But when pelotons form in some of the more casual rides, uh, the centuries, a lot of those people don't really have or haven't really practiced um, you know group riding skills, and I think it's important everybody does. I mean, some of the basic practices of how to ride in a pace line correctly. If a, if a novice gets into a, a peloton without ever having practice holding their line, which is what you have to do if you do any sort of pace line training, it's a liability. It's quite dangerous. I never really obviously knew how dangerous until this situation. And obviously, if my wife had not been wearing a helmet as a result of the impact that she received, you know, she'd be, there's no doubt that she would be dead. Exactly. Well, why, Jim, why I was kind of encouraged you to, to have this discussion is that it is not uncommon for groups to form, indoor cycling groups, to form or train for some uh, large charity event. You know, we have groups that are people that we've trained with for years and develop friendships with around the MS-150 that we do here locally. Yeah, yeah. And and th- those type of rides are famous for 
you know, a, a, an established group going down the road and then having others try to jump in because they they recognize the value of a you know a, a, a quick group and and it is in those circumstances that what you described happen. My experience and having ridden you know competitively for years and done you know dozens and dozens of these group rides is that you start with a group that you know and you stay with the group that you know, uh, but you politely uh, exclude others. Does that sound like wise advice? Totally. It, it's and it's hard because you know it, you know you you want to be friendly, and uh, there there is such a thrill to riding in a peloton. And, and but but it, but it really is. I mean, and this is also if, if you are, and this is something that uh, I mean, I recognized dramatically. I, I recognized dramatically last year too as a result of this accident. Is that you know I actually had trained a lot of people, you know, to ride for that particular ride. I was you know I've done a lot of outdoor riding. It was that was a, that was a charity ride that we actually trained a number of indoor cycling students. Some of them this is their this is their first century. Um, you know, the the individual that caused the crash was not one of those individuals. But even then, I realized that. You know, I, I did not do enough skill training on the people that I was training. I was training them metabolically. We were, do, we were doing group rides. But there really was um, – there really needed to be far more skill training. I mean, I, I won't do anything like that again, not this year. I mean, I won't train anybody in the back. I'm, sort of, I'm a little hesitant to do that right now. But if I, if I ever do get back to preparing people for, for, a, uh, you know, for a charity ride like this or a group ride, I, I think a major focus that I, that I think all of us that have a lot more experience really have to impart is that there has to be just a lot of skill training, not just taking people out on rides and, and making sure they get through 50, 60, 70, 80 miles, but to actually do some very, very um, dedicated you know, parking lot skill type training so that people really know how to react on, react with, you react on bicycles when, when something un, you know, un, unpredicted happens. But I, I tell you, it's a... It's a, it was a really scary thing, but uh, skill training on the bicycle, if you're going to ride a bicycle outside, if anybody makes a transition from indoor cycling to, to riding a bicycle, whatever, whatever skill clinics they can get into is something that's a very strong recommendation for me right now. Right. You see, you know, I had the privilege, and I didn't realize it at the time, but um, I was introduced to group riding uh, in a very disciplined, um, almost pro-level uh, group. And they were relentlessly harsh mm-hmm. on those that exhibited anything other than very disciplined um, practiced riding. And I'm going to guess just by based on experience level, you know, they recognize that they are vulnerable to a, a mistake from someone inexperienced. You know, typically it's not the person that caused the problem. It's those behind them yeah. uh, that suffer from it. Without being too melodramatic here, it, it, it is crucial that, that, especially if you're listening to this and you may be encouraging others to ride outdoors, that if you're not the person to really communicate those skills, uh, proper riding techniques, and also to be the big dog in a group – um, you know, I led group rides. Um, I tell the story that were um, for a new bike shop that opened up here. I don't know, it's like ten or twelve years ago, and they asked me to to lead the group rides. I said, "Oh, absolutely, I'll do it." First group we took out, people are running out from the back, you know, passing, you know, just completely out of control, and I actually got so frustrated that I stopped them, and and explained that either a they're going to follow my direction or b they can find their way home alone. 
because it was just it was just chaos. And you know, a lot of people's egos get involved, and they want to show how tough they are or how strong they are. And but it was after that, um, I was riding next to another rider, and he says, "You know, I'm glad you did that, John." I said, "Well, why is that?" He says, "Well, we were all on such and such a ride here not too long ago, and three people ended up on their head for because they were doing the exact same thing." And so, yeah, as we transition to outdoor riding, you know, it's uh, it's. Uh, I think I'm, gonna, I'm speaking for both of us that it's very important that, especially if you, again, if you're taking a leadership position, that you either provide the training that that your cyclists need, and if you can't, find someone who can, so has the experience and has the, you know, again the the leadership capabilities, you know, to keep order and discipline and in what looks like a lot of fun, but can ultimately be a dangerous place. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, John. I, I mean, I appreciate what you did there. At this point, really, when it, when it comes to, I mean, like I said, I don't think I'll ever lead group rides again. I just, you know, it's going to take me a while personally to kind of get over the fact that, um, you know, I, you, you just take on too much responsibility. It's, it's, you know, and what you say, sometimes people aren't going to listen effectively. And, and then, you know, I, I mean, like just seeing this happen to my wife, the last thing I want to do is see anything like this happen again. Yeah, and again, we're not trying to put a damper on outdoor riding. Yeah, no, I, I love it. It's, it's experience of a lifetime, but there's no doubt that it's dangerous. You know, I, I start I start many group rides, especially when we're we're kind of working uh, with climbing and things like that. I'm saying, look, there's two ways you can get killed on a bike. You know, you know, by a motorist or going too fast on a descent. Two major ways. So you know, don't 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 think by the fact that you know just because it, there's nobody on the road that if you start to go too fast and lose control, you can easily lose your life. You know, you know most accidents on bikes are not so are not so you know are not so dramatic. But man, it just just takes a second for the, for somebody to go down the wrong way. And, uh, you know, to, and to be hurt more severely than you'd like. So, um, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. It's the first time I've talked about it really since the crash, but I'm really happy that you're still here and, and doing well and back on the bike and, you know, and, and feeling quite confident. Oh, exactly. Yes. And I know you and I were talking back and forth, uh, while you were going through this and <laughs> you were very distracted by it. So I am very happy that, uh, that, uh, things have improved and, and uh, allow you to focus on other things because you were t- totally focused on your wife, yeah. and, uh, which was a good thing. All right. Well, hooray. Well, Jim, um, again, for those listening, we, it wasn't our intent to get too uh, dramatic, but at the same time, we do want to be able to encourage all of you to go out and ride, have fun, and uh, return so that you can hear the next episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Have, have you got anything else to add, Jim? Oh, no. Thanks, John. I appreciate the talk. All right. Well, and again, and for those of you listening, um, I, I uh, again, appreciative of that you're here. And if you have comments or suggestions, I'd love to hear them. John at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. 